From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. If you're making a major transition, you need to let people know what it is that you're doing. Today on episode 58 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Joan Rodman Smoller, formerly an NYU associate professor and director of an NYU writing program and a program for adults developing careers. Joan has made the transition into her own business. She uses her results-driven writing and editorial skills to help others communicate effectively to their audience. Joan's techniques are especially important if you're trying to write about your new business in a noisy marketplace. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now, let's welcome Joan Rodman Smaller. Joan met a guy named Ben on a park bench who was looking to make a career transition from contracting to diplomacy. She wrote his resume and cover letter, and in a month, he had a job in Washington. Her article about disfigured children for Red Book magazine led to a nationwide support group for these children. Her tutoring on college application essays for a boy with ADHD and Asperger's got him into four colleges. Her editing on a white paper gained her client a promotion. Formerly an NYU associate professor and director of an NYU writing program and a program for adults developing careers, as well as a teacher at LaGuardia High School for Music, Art, and Performing Arts in New York City, Joan now uses her results-driven writing and editorial skills to help others achieve their goals. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Joan, you have a very eclectic background. And besides your experience teaching and guiding careers, what were some of the other experiences you've had? Well, as I mentioned, I've also been a writer. Uh, and as you indicated, there were many times when I did all kinds of writing. I wrote for a senior engineer. I wrote for a, uh, a person who was working in nonprofit uh, fundraising. And I, I recently just did a piece for somebody on indoor air pollution uh, who's a big expert in this whole uh, area now in terms of keeping ourselves safe from COVID. So, yeah, I, as I say, in particular, I want to mention that when I was at NYU running this program for adults developing careers, I worked a lot with people making transitions and making successful transitions. And how did you end up getting involved in managing transitions? Well, many of the people who came to our program were people, let's say, in their 40s, their 50s, even 60s and 70s. And they were coming to our program. It was an individualized study program. Some may have heard of it. It's called the Gallatin Division. So they needed to forge a new career. And in order to do so, they needed a combination, a special combination of, of uh, courses and in particular internships. And that, by the way, was one of the most successful ways. One woman that I had, uh, she was actually 70 years old. I think she had been in business before. And I happened to know somebody who was in the Alzheimer's field and I got her an internship there. And sure enough, she got a job and a whole new career in that particular field. So the way we worked it and the way it was very exciting, of course, was to shape programs for people so that they could make those successful transitions. Mm. And what have been some of the transitions you've made in your life? Well, I started out as a professor. 
I then became an administrator. That's where I was the director of the NYU uh, graduate program there. Then I was a high school teacher. I'm, of course, a writer at heart, and I've written for major papers, and I even did books on medicine and many different topics. And right now, I'm the director of ResumeDoc.com. Uh, that's a writing service. We focus on all kinds of, of, of writing. So I guess four or five successful transitions, I would say. Mm. And of these different, if you look at your career in sort of major buckets, what portion of them have been as an employee and what portion as an entrepreneur? Most of them have been as an employee. I'm a fairly recent entrepreneur. I did spend a couple years when I first adopted my first child. I did run a company for medical writing. So maybe altogether three, four years entrepreneur and the rest working in institutions. Mm, and in making the transition from employment to entrepreneurship, what do you think some of the major challenges are that people need to overcome? Well, I think, David, just as you call your place uh, going solo, it's so hard to be alone. And also, especially now with COVID, uh, we're very isolated, many of us. So I think it's very important to find a group, a successful group. I'm particularly with 10, but whatever group one wants to join, to have other people, other people that are in the same boat. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about your writing and editing. How can writing be useful when you're trying to get through a, a major transition? Well, I think that if you're making a major transition, you need to let people know what it is that you're doing. So let's say you're a corporate person, you've had a great job. I know somebody who was head of a major uh, health firm and now he's on his own. You need to have somebody who can write up what it is that you're doing now and target it for your specific audience in order to get your foot in the door and start anew. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you're crafting information about yourself or writing your story, especially when you're in a period of transition, how do you know what you should try to write yourself and when you should get help from somebody else, either to do the actual writing or to do editing or to do some other form of helping you get your written communication to the point where it will actually get results? Well, my favorite analogy to people is, do you give yourself your own haircut? And the truth is, and of course, this is self-serving, but I really, really, truly believe it. You should not be writing it yourself or you could write some kind of a draft, but you should have somebody else. For example, right now I'm working with somebody who's writing a, a white paper and she's very, very happy with how I'm structuring it for her audience. And there's things that she just cannot see. She writes a lot. She tends to write in a very flowing way. And I structure it in a very logical, powerful way for her reader. So I think, of course, you can try. Uh, similarly, if I can make another analogy regarding uh, cover letters that people write, uh, people often write all about themselves, how great they are and so on. Wrong, totally wrong. What you have to do is think of your audience. Uh, I always say uh, it's not about you. It's about them. 
And so it's hard for someone, especially someone who's had a great background, to not want to tell it all. And that's where somebody like myself can come in and help you shape it. Nowadays, by the way, people don't like to read a lot. So you have to be very pointed, very careful, very direct, and really hit the mark. I, I almost think of it like bow and arrow. <laughs> I once had that as a little logo. Uh, you just have to hit it exactly right. And, and I think somebody like myself can do that for you. You know, it's, it's interesting as you're describing this, I'm thinking about, um, uh, you know, websites in particular. I've seen so many websites for consultants and coaches where the language on the homepage is about the consultant or about the coach. And it's like, it's so wrong. It's got to be about the client. Who's the ideal client? And the language has to be, has to speak in the client's language and from the client's perspective, because they're the ones that are reading it. You're exactly right about that. And uh, for example, I've written for engineers. I've written for medical people. I even know myself, I don't think I can write my own, to be honest, now that you mention it, because we just tend to write too much about ourselves and we don't focus it, uh, as you said, to the client and in the client's language. And that's very important. That is something because I work with people in so many different fields, from doctors uh, to engineers, to people in the arts, to people in the nonprofits, I have a sense of their language. I can understand it and I can shape it so that it, it goes right to the correct audience in the correct way. Right. So given the fact that you have experience with all these different audiences, how do you learn or understand or or get clued into what the right language is for a particular audience or maybe for a new audience that you haven't worked with before? Well, in terms of audience, if I can give an example of an engineer that I worked with, I study very carefully the language that he uses. Also, I give what is called concierge <laughs> caring treatment uh, to my clients. I work with them on the phone. I speak to them. I make sure the language is correct. And I, as I say, I study it from what they, whatever they give me. Uh, if I may give a, a recent example that I did, I was working with um, a doctor. I don't know if I should mention his name, but in any case, he's a big specialist in microbiology and was doing a piece on indoor air pollution. So he, of course, wrote it up originally. And then we knew the publication that it was going to, which was a holistic health uh, publication and a holistic health institute. And therefore, I changed the language somewhat to target the specific group to which he was writing. But I also gathered from him some of the specific terminology. And I had to be sure, of course, that it was absolutely correct because we're talking about something scientific. So I guess the answer to your question is I work very closely personally on the phone or by text or however anyone wants to work with me to gather exactly what it is that they want to say to understand it. And be, because of my ability, and I do have a PhD and so on, I'm able, I've done a lot of research. I am able to understand the language and consult with the client about it and then change it in any way. Uh, for example, if I may give you an example of the, the piece on indoor air pollution, his was very, very technical. And I knew his audience was not totally technical people. So I changed around his piece so that in the beginning I gave a little story and I ended it with a little story and I highlighted uh, some of the paragraphs and changed them so that it was easier for somebody 
who's not a technical person to read it and to understand it. And I, I imagine he got quite a bit of business from that. Right. No. So the research that one needs to do before writing is really important. Yes. In the sense of if I don't understand something, I always speak with the client. I always speak with the client or whomever is representing the client so that I fully understand what the client is trying to get across and to whom they are trying to get it across. And then I help them to craft the piece. Very In this case, obviously, the piece was in the name of this guy. He's a doctor, as I mentioned to you, and a microbiologist. But yes, I always I always work very, very closely with the client to make sure that it's accurate and then that it's appropriate. Joan, one thing that, that strikes me about your own experience that I think is very relevant for folks that are going solo is the potential to have a big impact through your work. So one of the things that I've observed among people that leave corporate America and go out on their own, particularly as consultants or coaches, is they want to have a big impact. And they want to be able to provide solutions for a particular problem for a large audience. And I know that one of the things that you've done is you've done some writing that has led to pretty substantial outcomes, like um, what I mentioned in the introduction about your article in Red Book Magazine. Yes. I mean, I've written for major papers. I've written for the New York Times. I've written uh, for the Washington Post. I've written for medical journals. So that's, I have the capacity to write up articles and, you know, hopefully get them to major publications. In addition, when I was at NYU, I did a lot of grant writing. I wrote a lot of proposals. I wrote for the Rockefeller Foundation. I wrote for the uh, New York State Council on the Arts. I raised hundreds of thousands of dollars through the things that I wrote. So I think those are two ways. Sometimes it's getting funding. Right now, actually, I've been working with a guy who's a CEO of a major company, And he's looking for millions and millions of dollars of funding. And I'm helping him to write his LinkedIn profile and other things that explain the particular projects that he uh, is interested in and also about his background. You know, when it comes to writing these kinds of pieces, what is at the core that makes writing effective? Well, I think the major things are you have to be aware of your audience, number one. Number two, a lot of people now don't like to read a lot. And so you have to, I say less is more. You have to give it a logical flow. You have to make it easy for them to read. You have to focus on the necessary action that you want them to take. You have to be specific and always use examples, use stories. So I think this this is the major thing. For example, recently with some of these white papers that I've been working on, I've been able to make it shorter for the person, more compressed. I highlight certain things. I restructure the paragraphs so that it just pow, it hits you right there. (laughs) Yeah. Is there, you know, given our short attention spans, particularly, you know, technology, I think, has made everybody's attention spans even shorter. Yes. Are there particular guidelines that you like to follow when it comes to length and how to get the point across? in a very short amount of text? 
I think you have to get their attention immediately. You have to get an attention getting opener. You have to have what we call a memorable close. This is true, by the way, for cover letters as well. So they remember every paragraph should have, it goes back to what we learned in college, but so true. Every paragraph should have a really strong topic sentence. You should give specifics. If you're saying, you know, your project is going to bring in uh, millions of dollars, you want to say how many millions? Or if you're saying that you raised, uh, as I said before, thousands of dollars, how hundreds of thousands, of dollars, how many was it? Be very, very specific. Those are some of the things I think that uh, make for powerful writing. And as I said, less is more. Don't say things that you don't have to say. Don't repeat. Yeah, I think I know one of the hardest things I've seen people struggle with, you know, particularly when it comes to things like introductions, trying to keep their what they say about themselves really short. Like if you try to to give your own pitch in 10 words or less, that's really hard for people to do. Yes. And that's where I come in, too, because I'm a wordsmith. That's my specialty, finding exactly the right word. And I work with the client. What exactly is it that you want to say? I help you to find the right word and put it in the right order and structure it in such a way that it's right up front. So it grabs the attention of the reader. You're absolutely right. In today's world of technology, people are not used to reading a lot. They don't want to read a lot. And you have to be very short and very powerful and very specific. Mm. What's a story of something that you may have come across, you know, not necessarily something that you may have written yourself, although it could be, where having the the right short message has had a huge impact? Well, let me see. Maybe I could talk about uh, my piece on disfigured children that I wrote that led to, that had a huge impact because it led to a nationwide support group. And just to give you a little story on that, originally it was for another magazine and they wanted me to interview three people. And I did, and they, they didn't like certain things I did. So I switched over to Red Book. I interviewed one, but not only did I interview one, I wrote the piece in the voice of the mother. And I think that's, you know, one way that that created a huge impact. How long was the article? Very short, very short. I, I think it must have been, I don't know, a couple pages. Uh-huh. What was the story behind it? Oh, the story behind was that actually it comes out of my own experience because I had basal cell and squamous cell skin cancer at a young age. And I was uh, working with Dr. Joseph McCarthy at New York University. We became close friends and he helped disfigure children. And he would take me into the operating room and see these wonders that he did for these children. And believe me, to be a disfigured child is a terrible thing. People make fun of them and they often blame the parents. They used to say to this mother, you know, what did you do to your child? So that's when he asked me to write something. And that's how I got in touch with his family. And they're a very religious family, by the way. And we wrote the piece, Red Book took it. And uh, now probably many thousands of people, children are getting helped. And also it helped, the, obviously helped the wonderful doctors who do this kind of treatment. The little child had what's called a hemangioma. She had a big red, like a bulb on her nose, born with that. People may know about this. They may have seen it with children. And of course, many people made fun of her and, and criticized the mother. And hmm, and now she looks wonderful. 
and she's held, held she's heading up this uh, this group. She's heading it up. So I want to go back to something we started with, which is um, you know managing transitions. If there's one piece of advice you could give someone based on your own experience who is going through a major transition, particularly the one where they're going from employment to entrepreneurship, what would that piece of advice be? Well, I think, first of all, you have to to know what you're passionate about doing. I Practically speaking, I think you have to have a certain amount of cash <laughs> because you may not immediately uh, be, be successful. And then I think you have to know if there's a market for what you're about to uh, embark on. If I can speak about one particular person. He was an accountant, fairly successful with it, uh, wanted to make a transition, now uh, went into home health care. And another thing is you might want to retrain. So in his case, he did some volunteer work. He did some training, some certification. I've heard of another guy who, uh, again, was head of a big company. Uh, He's going back to school and uh, training for a new field. Okay. Sounds good. Now, Joan, if, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today or access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? Well, they can call me. <laughs> I'm old fashioned. I'm here. I'm available. And I love to speak with people and, and hear their issues and help them to solve their problems. So you can call Dr. Joan, 917 282 Six eight six eight, or you can text me, or you can also go to my website, which is www.resumedoc.com, or my email, rsmejsr at gmail.com. Um, but I love the fact that you're old fashioned. You tell people to use something that many people nowadays are afraid to use, which is the phone. <laughs> I, I find when I make a personal connection with people, I really understand their needs and they understand what I can do for them. That is for sure. I can tell you, I have personally experienced it many times. Um, you are uh, very accessible by phone and um, and yes, you do make a good connection. So if you do want to get in touch with Joan, what, what's the phone number again? Dr. Joan, 917-282-6868. Thank you so much. I want to thank you, Joan, for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share a lot of your experiences and some of your insights into what can make written communication powerful and action-oriented. My guest today has been writer and editor, Dr. Joan Rodman-Smoller. Thank you again, Joan, for joining us. David, can I add one more thing? Absolutely. I am offering a free 30-minute consultation Uh, to anybody who calls me, and I look forward to hearing from them. Sounds great. Thank you again, Joan. Okay. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to communicate effectively to your audience and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.